Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Boss Lady Alliance. This is episode three, Staying Grounded. We have just been off to an amazing start. Thanks to all of you who are watching and listening and commenting. Um, as you know, you're finding us on YouTube, Patreon, Spotify, Amazon Music, TikTok, Instagram, I'm going to forget one, Facebook, and I think you can download us just about anywhere you download your favorite podcast these days. RSS. RSS. I knew I would forget one. Thank you for your comments and joining our conversation. We are extremely excited to be here, and just thank you. My name is Muna Silva, and I genuinely believe that if you stay true to your principles and honor yourself, you will be the leader that you've always wanted to be. I'm Christy Silva, and it is my belief that if you show up to be of service to others, your needs will always and forever be met. And in that, it creates a community of uh, connection that we sometimes aren't always in touch with. It shouldn't tease you after a statement so beautiful from the heart and so genuine because you truly believe that and are of that, but I'm going to anyway, because I'm like, self, self, self. And you're like, give on to others. Um, it's the core difference between you and me. Well, I think here's the deal though, and definitely keep this in here, is that in order to, to show up to be of service to others, you have to have a full cup. You have to take care of yourself. I like that because when your cup runneth over, you should help others fill yeah. theirs. Yeah. You can't you can't give from a from a depleted self. And I think that's a lot of the probably problems that people are facing these days is that they are giving from depleted self or they're not, they're they're hoarding because they're depleted. Because they're so depleted. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's exactly how we ended up with this topic today was seeing that around us. But before we dive into our official topic of the day, uh, we like to start with honoring women we love. So Christy, who would you like to talk about this week? Yeah, so this woman, Sharon Salzberg, she's a meditation teacher. She's a she's a spiritual figure, but and I think she leans more towards Zen Buddhism. But she really, uh, speaking of showing up and really giving, um, <clears throat> what I love about her and actually these two women that I'm that I brought today um, really show up for the people that are listening or participating and and she really speaks from her own experience rather than um so she teaches from her own experience rather than from uh common knowledge or practice or um from a textbook and um she's um practiced Zen Buddhism for quite some time and has been connected to a lot of um, others who are very uh, influential in that space. 
And she really um, simplifies this seemingly um, spiritual or even um, woo-woo concepts and really simplifies it down to something that is so inclusive for anyone that comes to her talks or listens to her um, um, speak or reads her books. It's, it's just very inclusive, which I really appreciate. And I think that that comes from her background. I don't think she was raised Zen Buddhist. And, um, and I just, I love her, the spirit of giving that she, she brings to every teaching that she does. And um, she has really helped me understand meditation and mindfulness and awareness on a different level. And she has a really soothing voice, too. I really like her voice. Well, that answers my question if you'd ever managed to attend in person or meet her. So, not in person, but mm -hmm. online. Yeah. So, she and she has a website which we can put in the notes, but um, she um, hosts these online events and is on a lot of podcasts. And I first heard of her. Um, on the podcast called On Being um, with Krista Tippett, and she interviews just this vast array of humans. It's so cool, and she's very much into poetry, and it's kind of um, my my um, continuation of this obsession with dead poet society and 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 all of those things. But anyway, so yeah, um, Sharon Salzberg is um, quite a uh, well, she's a kind of a regular there. So she she she's come alive and, and I've heard her in other places. So she's very accessible too. How about your your woman? I can't wait to hear about her. So this week I wanted to talk about Annie Leibowitz, who is a uh, world known photographer and um really just has made such a mark on art and in the world in, in so many ways through through her giving through photography and through painting and through um, just being. So, um, you know, in 1967, she enrolled in the San Francisco Institute of Art and she was going to be a painter and she took a photography class and just found her love and her calling. And it was just an amazing time because um, she started out uh, photographing uh, rock stars. I mean, we're talking Richards and Jagger and John Lennon and Yoko Ono. And she documented that amazing time in music that was just so much going on. And she got to be a part of that and in a living, breathing, historical, you know, sense. And uh, then she transitioned into Vanity Fair, which is where most of her like more known works are from. Um, but, you know, love her work, hate her work. She has endured four decades of being one of the most influential artists and photographers in the world. And, um, you know, she's quoted as saying, I'm trying to make a body of work that will last as long as photography will last. I believe that one day people will look at my photos and think, wow, I had no idea she could do that. And I love that because it's from such a place of self, but also when you look at her pictures, her photos, you really see um, she's really, she's also, she's really talking about um, her subjects 
And, um, you know, yes, her, her photos are very staged, very well lit, planned uh, down to every finite detail. But to do that, she has to know her subjects and she works with them, you know, and lives with them for days and gets to know them. And she just has this great ability to show truth and felt like the, the people come through um, in her photographs. And especially in this day, like Photoshopping, everything so crisp or trying to only show a very particular version of ourselves. Um, when I look back at her pictures, oh, I've carried this around like um, the country for 20 years. Um, uh, when I look back through and I see, you know, um, just, you know, quote unquote imperfections, but her subjects, you know, if they had a bruise, it showed, if they had a scar, it showed, they weren't just made up and they were still so uh, beautiful, real, sometimes heartbreaking, sometimes highly unnerving because they're so raw, but um, she brings the people, she makes them real. And um, I think she's pretty awesome about that. And um, some of her other uh, more interesting things that I like that I, I wish I could sit and have a conversation with her. Um, you know, she talks about how she doesn't think her work would be any different if she had been born a man. And, you know, she has this reluctance against feminism um, because she thinks that can drive that wedge of equality farther apart. And, um, you know, having been a first and done, you know, in a male dominated, it would be just really interesting to hear more about our views on that and hone in on, you know, has some of that, those pieces of the world, but, you know, the opportunities or the, the recognition of women in different positions and different capabilities, you know, has it helped or where has it backfired? Mm. And she kind of hints at some, some amazing views around that and just a cool artist. She's such a truth teller and she kind of, I, I love her work and, and I love that you brought up that she tells the whole story of the person that she's photographing and almost gives you permission to be your whole self too. In, in setting in certain settings you know it's just so the book I wanted to talk about this week is called Seeking Wisdom by Julia Cameron and she's been a writer for about 40 years and also taught in um, New Mexico for for quite a many of years and she wrote a book called The Artist's Way which has bubbled up once again during the pandemic um, as people started to really cultivate their own creativity. It's been well known within the creative circles, but I think as um, people start to, you know, people who are not writers or creatives are really looking to cultivate more creativity in their life, how that looks like for them. Her book has reemerged and uh, so the artist way is a, is a process um, and simply it, it, it includes morning pages, which is 20 minutes of writing every morning. It is a 20 minute walk outside by yourself, no music to integrate 
once a week. And then also an artist state where you take yourself out and you cultivate joy within your life. And, and so that is the base beginning of the artist way. And she starts to add things on throughout the years. Um, some about listening, some about kind of like a Q and a with your higher power. And, um, anyway, seeking wisdom, um, which is this book here. Um, has been um, it's mainly about prayer and it and it's uh, it's really getting an understanding of the power of prayer and the power of listening to something within yourself that isn't you and cultivating a relationship with something bigger than yourself however you define that so she um, she calls it God, but it, but it can be whatever you want it to be. And, and it's very inclusive and it is about cultivating this connection with something bigger than yourself as a creative act. So her opinion is that spirituality cultivates creativity and creativity cultivates spirituality and, and they support each other and can be exemplified in anything that you do, whether you're a writer, whether you're a painter, whether you're an engineer or a, a, a gardener or a janitor or a office worker, you know, white collar, blue collar, it doesn't matter because there is um, an element of creativity in all of our lives and, and whether you are that by day and then you do something in the evening um, that fills your cup, right? And so she, this process has been so impactful. I've been, I'm in week um, five now, so I'm almost done with the book. And it has really significantly adjusted how I prepare myself to be of service to others and and um and she's just a, a joy uh to I I she her writing is very much um well it really is attuned to being grounded. She talks a lot about the sounds and the birds and the trees and the environment around her in a way that um when I go on my walks I can almost hear her whimsical words in my head, you know, and, and I smell things differently. And, um, you know, one time I, I took a walk without Hunter, without my dog. And I, I recognized how much attention I put towards her when we go on a walk. And so when I went by myself, um, I smelled the flowers so much more predominantly. And I felt the sun on my skin so much more predominantly because I wasn't pulling my attention away from the experience and paying attention to my dog. I was paying attention to the experience. I was fully present in the moment. And this, um, this book, Seeking Wisdom, has really um, allowed me to arrive at that new awareness of what is and, and, and really embodying the moment. Um, in a really special way and, and cultivating more gratitude and joy within it. Even if it's an unpleasant experience, I can, I can generally shift it into something that is 
much more um, helpful than I have in the past. So it, it's, um, it might be a reach for some of our listeners because it is a spiritual journey. It is about prayer and there are a lot of experiences around prayer. Um, uh, but it is, um, it is worthy of uh, giving it a chance. So I wanted to, to bring it to, to the table today. Definitely on point. Um, yeah, that idea of you find that peace or ground yourself or your mm -hmm. creativity will flow. How about you? I want to hear about your book. So, uh, every once in a while, you just have to pick a book by its cover. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, late at night, needed a new book, was scrolling through Kindle and uh, saw the Benevolent Society of Ill-Mannered Ladies by Allison Goodman. And thought, that's a great title, Flick to Buy. Um, I could tell by the cover it was a period piece. It is um, Regency period. Uh, it takes place in 1812. Um, turns out it's book one of a new series. It's Allison Goodman's eighth book. Um, it's just a fun, quick read. Uh, you know, it's not earth shattering, but it's just good fun. Um, it's categorized as a historical romance. And I think that's one of those reasons why you shouldn't always read about a book. I wouldn't have read it. Um, so it certainly puts some um, modern thoughts and opinions um, onto the pages, but not too bad. Um, there's There's been books I couldn't get through because of that. And um, this one is a very strong foundation of history. Like she does know her history and it, and it rings true. Um, and I'm a harsh critic, so I will say that it's very highly reviewed on Goodreads and Amazon Kindle, um, so if you are interested, but it's just kind of fun. Um, the story centers around Lady Augusta, or Gus, and her twin sister, and they're 42 years old and unmarried, you know, in a time when that's, like, worse than death, and um, they use their lack of relevance and they're kind of being seen or not seen anymore by society to help women in trouble and in very daring and adventurous ways. So um, it's, it's just kind of a fun, quirky read. So, you know, sometimes you just have to choose a book by its title or its cover. It's a great title. Isn't that a great title? Because yeah. I was like, man, we named the show wrong. Uh, yeah, I was thinking like, um how do we change it <laughs> how, do we, how do we capitalize on that that's like so well done yeah it's a great title for boss lady ill men or ladies and that it's a series that makes me happy because I'm yeah I don't I apologize I don't know if the later ones are out but it is supposed to be a series it works as a capsule too are we ready to move on the grounding yes want to talk a little bit about where you'll be speaking from today in terms of staying grounded yeah or some of the things maybe you personally do yeah I was thinking about um when I was thinking about this conversation and um how to be more grounded grounded to me is very much a state of being but 
it requires me to consistently take action or um, bring aware, like consistent awareness to actual, actually doing things to, to allow my state of being to be grounded. And what groundedness does for me is it really allows me some of the things that, you know, I talked about with seeking wisdom is, is really embodying the moment um, and really being able to honestly make decisions that are aligned with my true values. I'm not reacting. Um, I'm responding. I am coming from a totally different place if I'm in a grounded state of mind. And it tends to really bring a little bit more ease and comfort and um, alternatively joy into my life because I've, I've created space for it. You know, it's not, it, I, I'm not static. I'm not, there's just, there's less um, noise in my head when I am grounded and there, um, there's less story that I'm clouding a situation with when I'm grounded there is more clarity around what feels right for me in that moment. So it's interesting. I created this, um, I kind of did this art piece sort of like, like kind of brain mapping, mind mapping. And I started to think about what groundedness is, but I just kind of wanted to share this in case people, as we talk, might want to just um, do some doodles um, because I, I kind of separated it from being and doing, you know, and what are those things and how do I, how do I cultivate that and how do I define groundedness and, and, and really um, just start putting on paper in a mind map way of how I cultivate it because it is, it is such a large subject. And, and the interesting thing is that I think whatever comes across in the conversation today, I think the number one takeaway for anyone, for me at least in this process, is that I have the opportunity to be grounded at any moment, at any time. I can quickly, should I decide, I can quickly shift to a grounded mentality that will better support me and the people around me um, and how I respond to the world around me um, with just um, a quick moment. It, it is so accessible is really what I'm, I'm getting at is that being grounded is accessible. It is not something that is out of reach for any of us. Yeah, that is very true. And I think unlike Unlike what we discovered when we talked about building belonging and that sense of community where in each task and in each area of our life, you know, you have to cultivate community independently. I think grounding is the opposite. You can reset, you can, um, you know, you can take, you know, time on the weekend like me if I don't get my hour on the water on Sunday, you know, my week is not going to go as well. And, and that can carry me through at least enough that a break, some deep breaths, some, okay, Muna, get it back together again, you know, 
will will get me through. Um, and, and I think that's good. I think that's reassuring that that you can, you know, you can do large chunks, you can do small chunks, um, you can do as needed. Just do as needed. I found that as I've gotten older, the importance of and the experience of being grounded has been much more of a higher priority than when I was younger. I think I enjoyed the feeling of not being grounded and just this sort of chaos was sort of much more attractive to me as a young woman than um, than chaos is absolutely probably the one thing that I'm working to step away from <laughs> this point in my life. And, and so that has really um, caused me to consistently think about or, or bring awareness to what is grounding for me. What are some of those things that have the most impact in, in grounding you? What are some of those activities? I think without fail, going for a walk outside for 20 minutes or 15 minutes, um, I do that three times a day. And it, it earmarks different points in my day. Um, so I have strategically planned that on a consistent level. So walking outside is, is very consistent for me. Breath work uh, can also be another thing that's really helpful especially in the moment, say, if I'm going to um, do a presentation or um, speak somewhere, um, there's the, there's a breath work, and it's almost like an anti-anxiety breath work, but it really helps me kind of get into my body, um, which is four, seven, eight. So I, I breathe in for four really deeply, I hold it for seven, and then I let it out for eight counts, and I do that three times, and it it neurologically resets um, my whole nervous system. And, and that is, as a result of that, that allows me to feel much more grounded. The number one thing I always do is place my hand right here and kind of push in like very heavily. This actually releases serotonin in your brain and um, it automatically lets your body know that you are safe. And it, it changes your nervous system to be more at peace, which allows me to feel much more grounded. Are you on your heart or more centered? Kind of more centered, I would say, like right in the middle. Oh, My yeah. hands are massive. <laughs> Sometimes you can use both hands, right? Ooh, look at that. And it, your shoulders almost drop, right? And it, and it, it just like you can actually feel it, the, the weight. I, I mean, I push into my chest, so I feel the weight almost like I'm hugging myself. Like when you hug someone, you know, there's another thing when you, when I hug and, and sometimes say if I know the person well, we will both breathe in and breathe out. And it, it is so, I mean, it just totally changes my, my whole, uh, energy. And, and I just feel so grounded. Another thing that can be really important is, um, earthing. So people talk a lot about grounding as earthing. Have you heard of earthing? Yes. <laughs> and, and, and it, it definitely, um, 
it definitely can look very woo-woo, but it is on a physical level. Um, it supports your nervous system when you actually put your bare feet onto the earth, um, whether it be dirt, whether especially sand, and you are looking out onto water, very much probably what you experience when you go um, when you go out to the lake and you and you move in the lake and you you are around body of water that experience is extremely grounding for your body it, it allows your whole nervous system to calm down and um and assume this this um calm rest state and and that has been a huge powerful um tool for me, especially if I am in high stress, uh, high anxiety, I will, I will go outside and put my feet on the ground before I take a walk or do something like that. I mean, it, it absolutely ground, it, it absolutely like literally grounds me. I don't want to negate that because it's very true, but I just have visions of Bruce Willis and Die Hard clinking his toes into the carpet after the flight. So um, yes, but I mean, it's true. I mean, there's genuinely truth to to that, um, to allowing yourself to feel nature uh, mm -hmm. through touch. Yeah, you know, and what better place than through our feet? Yeah. So those are some key things that I do, and I even feel like um, another thing that's I think a good thing to bring up is structure, creating structure. Like I have really severe ADD and I'm super dyslexic. And so when my, um, I can, my brain can sort of go into hyperdrive or overdrive and I can get overwhelmed quite easily. And one of those things that I do to really self-soothe is create consistent structure. Um, and so I have a consistent morning, afternoon, and evening experience, so, so to speak. And I also eat at the same time every single day. And I, I do these little key kind of touch points of consistency within my day um, that allows me to sort of, um, it can, it can, it can come across as boring, but again, I'm shifting away from, from chaos and really shifting into deep um, um, and meaningful focused time to where I can be really effective, not only at my work, but also um, after I get off work, I, I have, I, my brain is much more free to be engaged with my family or friends or other um, things that I do after work because I've created this consistent structure every single day. If it goes out of whack, I have to implement a lot of grounding techniques um, in order to kind of get myself in a space of feeling um, not overwhelmed. To say I'm rather jealous, I'm thinking a lot of listeners will be as well. Not all of us have, um, life or workplace that will allow for such structure so we have to work a little harder to cling to what we can and kind of maybe go a little um, goofier in some respects so um, you know uh, I can't you know get there at the same time every day and leave at the same time every day and I, I don't think I've ever eaten at the same time in my life 
twice in a row, I think that would be a fluke. Um, <laughs> just not has been conducive to to my world. Uh, sounds great though. Um, in fact, uh, until the last, I guess, uh, decade now, I was never even on a set schedule where I worked the same days every week. I was always rotating. Um, and I know a lot of people struggle with this. How do you create that semblance and and that balance and that consistency when you have no consistency? Um, I have, it, it can be done. It's just, it's, it is harder, of course. Um, but um, one thing I find, like I can't take structured walks. And I usually, because of the design of my building scope of it, I can't even get outside. Like we barely have windows. It's it's not the most friendly in some respects when you think about the way it's laid out. I just make a point of, you know, really little lame things. Like I don't use the closest restroom. I use the one that's a good clip away. And that just gets me away. Like it's, you know, two extra minutes, but those are two extra minutes that I just get to breathe and walk. Um, maybe see somebody in the hall. There's just, you know, that little bit of contact that's just enough, but not enough to slow you down or interrupt your day. Um, I've uh, actually developed a route now. I'm very proud of it because it took me like months to hone um, where I can hit as many flights of stairs going to the restroom as possible. <laughs> and so I can get that that extra movement in. And it's kind of like a back staircase where people aren't there and I can just kind of like stand there and breathe for a second. And I don't feel like I'm on display with, you know, the open seating and these, these worlds that we live in now that are just, who thought these things were a good idea? How did they sell us that they were for us, the employees? Just not true, but we're stuck with them now. Um, you know, I have a plant on my desk, which is hilarious that I've managed to keep this thing alive. Um, but it's just, just a little thing, but it reminds me at least that there is nature in the world when I'm in a, you know, facility that you can't always tell. And, you know, I'm hearing machines, not, you know, not the wind blowing <laughs> or rustling through the leaves. Um, so just a little things like that. I love those squeezy balls. I, I meant to have one, but um, Chris got me one. It looks like a little grenade. It's perfect. Squeeze. Um and I just love it. And uh, I keep one at home and at work. And I always fly with it. As soon as you're on an airplane, like as much as I fly. Really? Yeah. You know, just squeeze a little squeezy ball. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. You just, you figure out the dumb little things that you can do that, that help you just kind of get through um, so that you can focus when you have time to focus, you know, longer. Um, I'm a big, uh, big advocate of silence. So mm. I liked what you said about no earbuds, no nothing. Um, I think it's really important to be silent somewhere, anywhere, somehow, some way, be, even if you can only stand 20 seconds, even if you only have 20 seconds. Yeah, you, you reminded me of, you know, when I worked in an office, when I'd go to the bathroom, I used to stand in the bathroom and, and, and do this um, before I left. And I would, I would count to 30 or count to 60 and just do that for, for about a minute. 
and it really helped pull me down. And it's interesting too, because yeah, I, I think you're right. Time can, you know, using time doesn't always work. I use time because it um, holds me accountable for the action. But if it if it's not time, it can be, um, you know, when I used to arrive at the office, I would give myself five minutes to really make sure, like, organize my day. What am I going to do? What's happening? And, and then five minutes before I left, I would always clean my desk. I would leave a list of the actions I needed to do the next day and, um, and really look at the things that I had accomplished before leaving and, and be like, good work. You kicked butt, you know, you did some things, you know, even if it was just one thing, you know, like I was like, you handled it. You handled that one task, girl, you go, you get it, you know? And, but I would, and then I have the list, I, I would review my priorities. So when I arrived, my desk was organized. I had my list of priorities that I could sit and look and say, okay, is this with fresh eyes, is this my top priority list and make adjustments if I needed to, and then, and then launch into the day. But, but just even if it were like five minutes, two minutes, three minutes upon arriving and upon leaving, preparing yourself for the next day um, has also really been a, um, a way for me to implement consistency and um, some sense of um, organization within my day that, that was doable, you know, that's not time-based, but now like I have to have time-based because I don't have an office to go to. And so I lose, I really, it took me probably about a year to find a structure because I'm so used to the structured process of going to, into the office, being there for a certain amount of time and then going home and working for yourself, all that's gone. And I was just this, you know, like I just, I kind of, I lost all sense of structure completely because I didn't have that, that consistency. And so um, I had to really create it for myself in a way that was practical and and helpful. So I wasn't working all work, you know, all day long. And, and I was also giving myself some breaks because work does tend to flow a little bit longer than an eight hour day now or a 10 hour day. You know, it's it's a little different than that. You know, sometimes I get up at five and I work until 10 and then I have a break and then from 12 to three, I'm working. And then from five to six or seven, I'm working, you know? So um, I had to really manage um, and cultivate that structure within my day because I, I don't have that office to go to anymore. It, 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 it proved to be somewhat difficult for me. Yeah, I remember hearing uh, friends say, cause it, you know, we'd get on a Zoom call and I'd be like, you know, haggard and they would look amazing and I'm like what are you doing and they're like if I don't get up and get dressed and kind of put on my game face one it helps me but you know if I don't look like I'm working no one in the household respects that I'm working <laughs> and you know so um yeah those little things can be really important just the, the habits find find those habits that work
I love, I love that you take the extra time to go somewhere farther away, you know, like, because not only are you cultivating community and connection, right, but you're also allowing yourself some time and space and movement, like, what a, um, I've solved a lot of great problems in those extra couple minutes when I'm just turning on something, I'm like, oh, that could work, you know, and that's, I'd rather do it in those couple minutes at work than, you know, I've done some of my best work at, like, you know, one, two in the morning in my sleep. Try not to do that <laughs> if I yeah. don't have to. Yeah. What about outside of work? Like how how do you cultivate a state of groundedness? Does it help you, you know, like when as you come home, like how do you unwind? How do you unpack the day? How do you separate the the work day from the the personal family time? So I I'm very lucky and when we bought this house one of my criteria is um, I needed a water feature I didn't care if it was creek a pond a lake whatever but there needed to be water Uh, I grew up on the water and I just genuinely know the healing power of water Mm -hmm. seeing it hearing it it's just there's something so I think because it's just such a powerful force and I mean the wind is powerful too I've seen what the wind can do Um, but there's just something so magical about water and it's just so healing and so beautiful and it just hits all your senses so well and um, so I mean that's my biggest thing like if I've had a bad day I get out on the water Um, once a week you know at least I'm out there Um, you know, and sometimes it's, you know, really gung-ho, lots of exercise, and I'm really, like, really going, and other times I'm just, like, floating around and enjoying it. Uh, The other day, I was like, I'm going to eat this apple, and then I'm going to go out on the water, and I was like, well, that's just stupid. I'm going to take this apple, and I'm going to go sit on the water, and I'm going to eat it, (laughs) and I did, and it was glorious. Um, and I mean, it just, it it puts you with nature. Um, you know, I see, you know, turtles and fish and you hear frogs and, um, you know, deer or whatever. And, um, you know, the wind going through the trees and, you know, uh, there's the slightest hope that fall will come starting to appear, (laughs) which is amazing. Uh, so you see like a couple leaves, just, you know, real early leaves. They're not, you know, no color change, but they're starting to fall. And, you know, now when, when the water drips on you, you know, it's not like scorching and you're like, man, that's worse in the air. It's, it's cool. And uh, can't oversell water enough. I think it's amazing. Even if it's just, um, I switched to one of those like rain shower heads. Mm. Um, I mean, how dumb, right? But That's really nice because it's just quiet and calming and just makes you feel great. You know, how dumb is that? But, you know, it works. hundred bucks. Great hundred bucks. I know, um, I mean, you and I are both very, very physical people. Um, You know, I've had a good day. You know, I want to get out and run and jump and ah, and when I've had a bad day, likewise just do it from a different uh, perspective and with a different look on my face. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, you know, 
stairs and, you know, burning cow, you know, just going. And I love my Fitbit. It really just, you know, tells, you know, because it's rewarding. It tells you what you've done. Yeah. Um, and it like does little fireworks and stuff. It's amazing. It makes you feel so good. Yeah. Um, but I know not everybody, you know, has that that physical, um, you know, not everybody comes from that place. Um, but I think the the essence is the same of if you take a few minutes and build something with your hands, something that you can see, um, whether it's dinner or a paper model or um, something crafty, anything. But um, when you use your hands, you know, that, that touch, that concentration, you know, it puts you in the moment it, and it's very rewarding. And I think, I think you can find a lot of ground through very simple things. You know, the other day um, I have a friend coming to town and she'd given me a plant and it's her birthday. So I want to um, return the favor because she loves gardening and flowers. And, and so you know, just kind of going through, like, we have extra pots and things, and we've got succulents, so it doesn't, it didn't have to, like, be huge expense, but I really wanted the importance of um, creating something that was meaningful and really pretty and thoughtful, rather than, like, just buying um, an already pre-made pot at, at the grocery store, and the experience of just going through and looking for the best succulents and what would look cool with this one and filling it up with dirt and and you know putting rocks at the bottom of the pot and then dirt and then um picking out the succulents and putting them in in a certain way and moving around and looking at it from different angles and that whole process and then being able to give it away you know maybe cost uh two dollars you know, for the dirt that I already have, like a bag, and um, and maybe 45 minutes of time, maybe a half hour, but it was so indescribable. Again, like it created all, like I listened to the birds while I was doing it, and I could feel the dirt, and I could feel the succulents, and I watered it, and, and just took some time with it, and um, it really brought me back to that I don't really focus on cultivating joy within my life. And, and I think one of the gifts of, of um, grounding acts is that it, it kind of carves out space for these moments of joy. Like you eating that, you're like, I was gonna eat the apple and then go paddling, but no, no, I'm gonna eat the apple on the water right like what a different feeling that would be to enjoy that apple on the water i'm gonna eat lunch in front of my computer no no i'm gonna do something different with that time or you know i want to give a gift but no i'm going to make an experience out of that gift not only for me but the person that's receiving it and it doesn't take it's movement, but it's not necessarily something that anyone's really restricted to, you know? I just, 
I think it's really unfortunate that we recognize this. We know it's important to stay grounded and to just take little moments, big, small, a varying. And I think even um, to an extent, we're a little better about doing it in the workplace, not to the detriment of our work and, you know, what we bring every day. But when you're in that place and it's quantifiable and you have your tasks and you have your time that you're there uh, and you have, you know, some semblance of break allowance, whatever that looks like in your world, um, you know, those, those five minutes to sit and be or, you know, to find that back stairwell where you can do a couple push-ups, whatever that looks like, um, you know, we tend to do that a little bit more than we do in, in our home space where we feel more selfish and more guilty and um, more challenged to allow ourselves that um, and more judged by, by taking it. And that's really unfortunate. And I don't know, you know, quite how to, to combat that. I think it comes from a fear of that lack of respect or that you will be judged. And I think we let that really run to our own detriment in so many areas of our lives. Shouldn't we, shouldn't we choose to um, what we get judged for instead of being judged for things that for doing that extra work or whatever and not taking those five minutes? Like I'd rather be judged for the five minutes I give myself than than judge for not, you know. In our day-to-day life, is it just what removes us from groundedness? What what stops us from prioritizing it? Unfortunately, I think it's, you know, we have those decision points just a million times a day where it's like, I can get this a little bit more done or um, I can take five minutes and go for a walk. Mm-hmm. And we think those five minutes of tasks are more important or will yield better benefit or, um, you know, we think they outweigh for so many reasons and they really don't um, because if you take those five minutes and to yourself and take a walk or find a quiet space or breathe or um, any number of things that you find, you know, you come back and maybe those tasks go a little bit quicker or um, or they come out in a new creative way that you wouldn't have thought of otherwise because that puts you back in your best self. It's funny that we try and do our best self to the detriment of allowing ourselves to be our best self, right? It's very counterintuitive when you really start looking at it. Um, you know, but how do we quit feeling like it is so selfish? I think you just have to do small steps at a time, you know, just every once in a while, don't let that task win. Take those few minutes, you know, and to your point, like make a list or, um, you know, put a little star on your calendar or something that feels rewarding when you've allowed yourself that. Because um, then you get two rewards, right? Because you've allowed yourself that and you get the real visual of having that of seeing it as well, so win-win, um, and, you know, try and notice or pay attention to the outcome of that, you know, 
um, I took, you know, a few minutes and when I, later when I had to walk down the hall to go meet with somebody who, you know, I don't always like having to go deal with, maybe I didn't dread it quite so much. Maybe it was just a little easier and you start drawing those correlations and you realize, you know, how much you can help yourself. Yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing that really stopped me from taking the, the moments to be grounded and the moments to clear my head was that I don't have enough time. And, it, you know, I don't have enough time to meditate. I don't have enough time to uh, go for an extra walk or I don't have enough time to do X, Y, and Z. I have to be on task. I have to be efficient. And... <clears throat> it really took a leap of um, faith or belief that if I make time for myself and actually take five minutes to clear my head and do some of these grounded practices, that I will be actually even more efficient. And I noticed um, even in my life now, like I started doing these stadiums where I just walked up and down the stadiums for a half an hour. And reluctantly, I did not want to do it. Um, it was for my mental health. Um, and the interesting thing is the days that I do stadiums are the days that I get so much done. And by, so if I took an extra 45 minutes to drive there, to do the stadiums and then to drive home, um, I actually saved myself probably about two hours if I were to look at it from a quantifiable perspective. The act of taking time for myself to clear my head, to get out energy so then I can sit down and actually focus on what I'm doing. And my mind isn't so um, um, energized by not feeling grounded and lack of movement. I, I, I draw things out much longer and, and it has become my number one, not only mental health practice, but also my efficiency practice. I know that the days that I do stadiums, I will be very efficient. And it's pro proven to me time and time again, in the last three months, consistently, every single time I take that time, I am, I am not only getting my list done for the day, but also doing the next day's list, which is just mind boggling to me. So the belief that I don't have enough time um, continuously gets proven incorrect to me. And, and I started challenging that um, back when I was working at an office. And so instead of um, when I would go park before I would walk into work, I would leave five minutes early and sit and just do a five minute meditation with a timer in my car. So I was there. I was ready, there's, you know, traffic was already dealt with. I could just settle in and I would read a little um, inspirational something and then do a five minute meditation. And I'm telling you those days that I did that, I was so much more efficient because I took the time, the five minutes to clear my head and it was really impactful. And so I, I love um, the challenge of really taking a look at what is getting in the way. Like when, when, when I hear myself talking about groundedness and taking time to go for these walks, to do the breathing exercises, to 
um, really pay attention to the world around me, sounds, um, sun on my skin, things like that, voices in my head, so to speak, that say, oh, well, you don't, you can't do this, or you can't do that, or that doesn't make sense, or whatever, and I pay attention to them, and I challenge them by doing it anyway, and just seeing what comes up. Yeah, I don't think time is the enemy. I think it's it's ourselves. Earlier, earlier this week, someone said uh, that, you know, they just needed some time for themselves, and, you know, they just felt like they were being pulled in every direction, and it was always about other people, and when, you know, they're like, when I say I'm going to work, mm-hmm. all the voices stop. Everybody respects that and goes, oh, yep, yep, you've got to go to work. That's that's important. That's That's meaningful, but when I say I need an hour to myself, or I'm going to go for a run, or anything that's not work, I feel like it's not respected. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really just the perception that it's not respected, because you're not respecting that that hour run or that hour to yourself or that sitting down to coffee, whatever it is, is as important and deserves as much respect as work you have to I mean that's a hard challenge to overcome to because you know we are taught we are what we do and uh, you know we put so much personal emphasis on that and uh, as women it's even more challenging to to live up to those ideals and to let go um, of you know, that perception and that, that visual of what success looks like and that allowance, because we are held to, and I'm sorry, but we are held to such a different standard in terms of what we are expected to do for others in so many ways. Um, We are taught to care and taught to give of ourselves and and that's great. That is true. We do. But we are also need to be taught and teach our children, our daughters, and our mentors that, that all our work should be respected. Everything we do, whether it's for the family or for ourselves or for the company. And that's, that's very hard. But I think that stems so much of our frustration is until we accept that it matters that it truly, truly matters to be of self. We're always going to have some challenges and some frustration. I think it takes such great courage um, for anyone, but especially women, due to the longevity of the perception of what, how our time or our energy is prioritized. It takes such great courage to not enable other people's perceptions of what is our best use of time in that moment. I know, because I mean, we get judged uh, first by ourselves, but by by everyone um, for everything. And I'm just going to say, it, we're damned if we do, damned if we don't, right? So, so be damned for doing. Like, it's just, you know, if you want that manicure once a week and you can afford it, go to. If that's what matters to you, don't 
don't let others put you down for that. That's that's your thing, right? And not my thing. My nails look like heck, but um, <laughs> you know, I my thing is getting out on the water and getting you know rowing around and and doing. Um, uh, but man, if somebody tried to take that away from me, I mean, it, it would get pretty rough up in here. So, <laughs> you know, let's just, let's fight for ourselves, isn't that? I mean, yeah. we fight for everything else. Why do we? Why do we only falter when we fight for ourselves? I mean, and we all do it. I think as an individual, for myself, I had to really make a decision that I had to prioritize my health first. And and I truly knew that that was the most important thing for me in order to be helpful to others, especially my family, even if my family didn't believe me or didn't respect that. And, um, and the interesting thing is that when it isn't respected, I get to respond with a smile and say, thank you for sharing. I'll see you in an hour. Well, I mean, I'm going to go with like the ultimate cliche, right? Flight attendants tell us we have to secure our own mask before helping others. And every one of us have thought through that and realized the core truth in it. But we don't carry it through to other areas of our day. We We don't realize that all those times we put everyone else first to our own detriment, you know, we are putting on those masks on everyone else and we're going down with that ship. It's not, it's not good. It's not right. It's not the, it's not what we want to be. It's not who we want to be, or we would be okay with it. We're it's going against what we ultimately want. And that's why it's frustrating. That's why it irks us and nudges at us and grinds at us because it isn't, that is not the person we want to be. That is not the person we look at in respect yeah. And yet we still do it. I, well, I think, uh, you know, feminine martyrism is really glorified. And and I think that, you know, my hope is, is that I see it, it shifting away from that. And, and I think as a collective, all of us are getting much more healthier mindsets because everyone is depleted. Um, there's such a, um, an over amount of burnout that is being experienced within, um, our, at least within the U S you know, and how we as a culture work and live, it is, it is unmistakably, you cannot ignore it. It is being, it is in our face. Um, but that martyr being a martyr, especially as a woman, uh, comes at many different levels that uh, I believe we are, and it is our responsibility and our courageous act to no longer um, exemplify or highlight feminine martyrism within our, just even within groups of women, right? Like I've been in groups of women where they celebrate that and encourage it. And um, I, I don't, I don't, uh, that doesn't make me feel comfortable at all. And um, I think, I think that we are waking up to a different perspective and sense of reality that that, that type of martyrism is, is no, is not sustainable. It isn't, it's, it's very clear.
the decision has been made for us in a sense as a collective. I think women have really made this decision for themselves, um, you know, throughout the ages and and different iterations of movements that have been happening and awarenesses and and, and communication and really um, uh, truth speakers, you know, like you know, and Leibowitz is, you know, that those expressions of that truth telling without unapologetically truth telling has allowed us to see how um, unsavory martyrism really truly is. And it, it's right on time. We're right on point. Um, we're just at an unfortunate crux where we're really getting hit. So think of when you start a business or you open a new store or you do a launch, you know, there's all these phases mm -hmm. and, you know, the, the the initial excitement only carries you so far and, you know, it builds and you're putting in all the time and everybody's coming together and your team and it's great and everything's building, you know, and then it starts plateauing and you yeah. take that dip where you lose a lot of people, they burn out and, and you dip back down and you have those challenges and you have to come back up, um, you know, and there's a time, there's a cycle, a life cycle in that. And there's a life cycle that we are experiencing um, around uh, womanhood and femininity and the female challenge because we have not had rights very long. I mean, in some places still don't, don't you know, well aware I've lived there. Um, but, you know, Europe, the, the places we're more common with, you know, we're talking the 40s. We were still earning the right to vote. So um, this Western... Um, I image of women and where we fit and how we be and how we what we're allowed and what we're not and not by law but what we allow and what we don't um, you know we're really just still coming out of adolescence and learning and trying and and it is hard because we are getting the brunt of it um, but look how much better we have it than our mothers did you know, yeah. my grandmother could never get used to me not wearing skirts. And she was born in 1920. I mean, we were, we were different on, I mean, we could almost not bridge that gap. Um, so we've come a long way, but think how much she and Nana and Maymay and all these women have made the world so much better for us so that we can sit here and talk about this and break it down. And, you know, 20, 30, 40 years from now, um, you know, other women will take it that next step. And that's, that's all that we can do. Yeah, as I was listening, I was really thinking about the path that had gotten us here. And really, it is essentially our responsibility to have the courage to, to take the time for the groundedness necessary to get over this adolescent hump, this shift in perspective, in perspective and and really cultivate um, sustainable cultural awareness of a culture that is so much more connected to um, the truth rather than a perceived something that is not real. 3.5, our brief on this is going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because like we're getting into like something where I'm like, wow, we are going to... This might be a two-parter. <laughs> this is for sure going to be a two-parter.
Thank you, Christy. I mean, you make me just flip and flop and see things from so many different ways. And I get so excited and I'm like, wow, like we'll figure it out. You and me together. Or bring everybody along with us. Yeah, totally. <laughs> You're a great mirror. <laughs> you know? Well, it's so funny because Chris loves to say, he goes, you guys are so alike, but oh my gosh, you guys are so different. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, and that's why this is going to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and yes, and right, like, that is the wonderful, beautiful part about this is that we are putting in actions, you know, some of this concepts that we're talking about, right? Like we are, we come from, you know, we are very similar and we are very different, yet we can align on what our truth is and we can support each other in that path inward to understand what that truth is. So then we can be better equipped to help other women discover their own truth, right? Or even men, right? Like it, it really doesn't matter. And, um, and in that truth telling, which is really what a lot of this is all about, is how do I sustain that truth telling? How do I sustain that journey within? And then, and then um, how do I shine my true self to others? to help, to be helpful, to be supportive, to um, bring to the table, you know, to cultivate an abundance for others. Um, and, and, and the topics that we tend to lean on in, in our segments are really part of the staircase that get us to that point, you know, so groundedness is one of those things that are so important for us to cultivate in order to have the energy to thrive. And the energy to look within, and the energy to do all the things. So, yeah. Hopefully, everyone had fun today along with us. <laughs> we got a little, we got a little wild. You know? <laughs> I got a little worked up. You got all worked that, up. Uh, day cool kind of hit me, and I just kind of went. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I hope uh, you will continue to listen and watch and join the conversation, comment, like, subscribe, uh, ring that bell, join, um, please comment. And um, thank you so much for, for uh, letting us be a part of your lives. And um, we look forward to following up with um, our episode 3.5, where we continue this conversation about the importance of staying grounded and um, we'll see where where that leads us next I can't wait it'll be fun I guarantee yeah. that yes for sure <laughs> all right